Good evening, everybody, and thank you, Eleven McIntyre, for the welcome and for the opportunity to come and speak to this congregation tonight. I thank you all uh, for coming, for already, by your presence here tonight, showing your support for me and my wife, Emma, and our family, and the work generally in Kenya. And our goal with this meeting tonight, as uh, I'm sure you know with deputation meetings, we want to help you to understand more about the missionary work in Kenya, what it entails, uh, what the challenges and the opportunities are, and specifically then how I fit into that and my family fit into that missionary work that is ongoing in Kenya even at this time. The video tonight is going to answer probably most of those questions tonight about how I was called into missionary work and uh, what we believe the Lord would have us to do when we go there. What I want to do at this point is open the Word of God with you to Acts chapter 8, because um, in the video there is a part in it where I talk about how the Lord uh, challenged me as I was finishing college, um, or rather than challenging me, let me say, confirming that he wanted me to be a missionary and to do that work specifically in Kenya. And in that part of the video, I say that there was a passage of scripture that the Lord kept bringing back to me again and again and again. Um, this is the passage. And so I want to spend a wee bit of time looking at this tonight um, to see not only what the Lord challenged me with from Acts chapter 8, but I believe what he can challenge all of us with uh, from this story involving Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I believe there's something in this passage that is relevant to every part of the work of God in every part of the world, not just for missionaries and not just for missionaries who work with people from Africa, but every single one of us who are children of God. And so we're going to read together from Acts chapter 8 and from the verse 26 down to verse 35. Please read with me Acts chapter 8 and beginning now at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip went to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except someone should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and a lamb before his shearer, as, like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? <laughs> then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Watching your children grow up and start to become more and more independent is one of those things that somehow makes you feel both proud and criminal all at the same time. You know, on one hand, you're really glad saying, oh, you know, I can do this for myself. I'm able to manage 
I need help, I know what to do, and they're learning new skills, that's great, and yet at the same time you want to scream as you watch them for minutes to put their left sock on by themselves, and that's the challenge of parenting. This I know what to do, I can do it by myself attitude is something we try to encourage in our children, but it's not a very helpful attitude when it comes to Christian not really uh, something which we see in this passage which reminds us and we need reminded all the time that we don't know best that instead we ought to hand over every part of our lives to the ones know best you see in this chapter with philip and his encounter with this ethiopian it's only when we reach the end of the chapter and we see how these events have spilled out that we realize god knows better than we do that he knew what he was doing all along, and we're rarely in a position to say, honestly, okay, I know what to do. I can do it by myself. In fact, we're never in a position to say that. That really stands out when we look at a few of the different aspects of this chapter. I want you to think, first of all, just very quickly about Philip's call. Philip's call, we see it in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And before I deal with Philip's call from that verse, it's probably reasonably obvious how the Lord challenged me through the words of that verse um, to consider ministry overseas and in um, Africa, given that he was told to arise and go south, and there he was Um, given the opportunity to minister to a man from Africa and explain the meaning of the scriptures to that man. So you can probably follow that through in your own mind and see how the Lord placed that all in my heart. But if we think about Philip's call, um, and there's something to bear in mind, not just with Philip's call, but actually with any call that any believer receives during the course of their life, there are two aspects or there are two things you need to bear in mind. When a believer is called They are called away from something, that's the first part, and they're called to something, that's the second part. Uh, And they're not the same thing, called away from one thing and called to another. So, for example, the most obvious call of all, the call in the gospel is a call away from sin and a call to Christ. There you see two aspects. It's the same in any aspect of Christian living. Philip here has been called away from something. What's he been called away from? In this instance, he's been called away from the city of Samaria. If you just look back earlier in the chapter in verse 5, you see what happens when Philip is in that place. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. There was a great response to the gospel in that place. And verse 8 then tells us that there was great joy in that city. There's been a revival, essentially, has taken place in the city of Samaria. And Philip's been called away from that away from a place of gospel success, away from a place of joy. He's been greatly used of God, and now he's being called away from that. And it doesn't really make a whole lot of human sense. It's the kind of situation in which we might tend to say, I know what to do. I I can do this by myself. I know what's right to stay here in Samaria. There's a work to be done. And yet Philip's been called away from that by a God who knows better than he does. But he's been called away from one thing and called to another. Verse 26 tells us he's been called to the desert. Uh, And in fact, that only makes it even more confusing. He's been called away from a place where there's lots of people. 
there to preach to and, and to teach and to disciple. And he's been called away from there to go to a desert where he might not expect to even see a single soul. What's God doing here? This doesn't make sense. And yet Philip does what we so often find it hard to do. He obeys the God who knows better. He submits to the will of God. And we all need to do the same. Not go to the desert. Not go and find someone in a chariot as we'll see in a moment or two. What we're expected to do is to leave every part of our lives in his hands. To pray for and follow the leading of God. This is Philip's call. As we read on, we start to see how this call away from Samaria and to the desert starts to make a little bit of sense because Philip goes to this desert and it's not the case that he looks around and there's no one there, that he finds nobody. We see that this is the scene, the second thing we want to look at of Philip's appointment. Philip's appointment because he comes across this Ethiopian man who is in his chariot and he's reading the scripture. Verse 29 tells us, the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. I just want you to take notice of the fact that the Spirit tells, uh, tells Philip to go near. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of missions. It's the Spirit of God who directed Philip to go into the desert. Once in the desert, directed him to go to this chariot. And then if we were to read the end of the chapter, we'd see it's the same Spirit who catches Philip away again and removes him back out of the desert. This is a Holy Spirit-led encounter. And he is now exactly where the Spirit wants him to be, speaking to the one person that the Spirit of God wants him to speak to. And that is actually quite obvious when we just think about the details of what's happening here. Philip could not have planned to be in this desert in order to, in the, the vast size of it, to meet a particular man. A single man who's in a chariot and it happens to be stationary or at least going slow enough that he can catch up with it. And then at that very moment he happens to be reading the scripture and, and that portion of scripture that he happens to be reading is one which is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. You couldn't orchestrate an encounter like this. It would be impossible to try and organize all of those details. And the reality is it's not random. It's not just a whole series of randomly occurring events this is the appointment of a sovereign god it's so clear it's a reminder that no matter how obscure the circumstances no matter how unlikely the means god makes sure without a hint of failure to keep every single one of his promises concerning his elect people that's who this ethiopian eunuch is they will hear the gospel they will see Jesus Christ and they will believe on him for salvation. Whether it's all those people who had that experience in the hustle and bustle of a city like Samaria, or whether it's this man traveling alone through the desert on a chariot, God has an appointment for every single one. And it can't be missed, can't be avoided. Every one of his people, who in every single nation of this world and in every single age of history, God has prepared Philip's appointment. But that appointment wasn't just so that these two could meet each other and become friends. There's a special purpose for this appointment, a special purpose for this meeting, and it's really all about the third thing I want you to notice, which is Philip's message. Philip's message. You'll remember as I read verse 5, when Philip was in Samaria, it says in that verse that he preached Christ in the city of Samaria. 
Now you look at verse 35. The setting could not be more different, and yet what happens? Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The setting is completely different, but the message is the same. And there are two things to notice in that verse 35. This message isn't something Philip's dreamt up by himself. It's not Philip's scheme, Philip's grand idea. His message is the message of Scripture. It says, he began at the same Scripture. Crucial. This is the work that God had for Philip to do. It was to minister to this man's spiritual needs, first and foremost, and do that by explaining to him the meaning of the Word of God. That is the basis of missionary work. Of course, there's all kinds of other things that missionaries often are engaged in and and good things and right things. But if we don't have this, then we're missing the heart of missions, explaining the Word of God. And of course, what is the meaning of the Word of God? It wasn't that Philip was helping this man to understand the definitions of some of the words or the construction of the sentences or the historical context of the passage. The man perhaps understood all of those things, and yet he didn't truly understand the passage. What's that all about? He didn't understand, and he asked for guidance. It's in verse 35 that he finally has been given the key to understanding. It's not the structure of the sentences or the historical context. It is the preaching of Jesus. Without seeing the Christ of the Word, no one will ever truly understand the Bible, Old or New Testament. This man, we don't know how long he had been in Scripture for. We don't know how long he'd been traveling up and down to Jerusalem, involving himself in the, at least the outward forms of the worship of God. He had all the right bits and pieces externally, and yet until he saw all that meant nothing. He was completely lost. He had absolutely nothing until Philip preached unto him Jesus. It's still the same today, whether it's in all the different parts of Northern Ireland or whether it's in Kenya, as we're going to think about tonight, and other parts of the world too. We can have all the outward bits and pieces of Christianity, the forms, the knowledge of the scriptures, the um, faithful attendance at worship. Many people have that. But if there's no Christ at the heart of it, it's not Christianity. If Christ is missing, it's nothing. This is why Jesus was the heart of Philip's message. God is still calling people like Philip. He's still giving them appointments and he's still putting in their mouths a message all to fulfill those promises that I mentioned to you earlier. His plan to save his chosen people and have him worshipped from all the ends of the earth. So the challenge is that our vision will match the Lord's vision for the lost of this world, wherever they are and wherever he has tasked us with reaching them. May he call and use every single one of us, wherever he wants us to go, whatever he wants us to do, may he give us sovereign appointments. May he use us to take the message of Christ far. May his kingdom be extended for his own glory. That's my prayer for Kenya. And I hope by the end of tonight, It'll be your prayer for Kenya as well, along with your own community here in Clocker Valley. But to that end, so that you can pray that the Lord will fulfill these promises for the people in Kenya, we've got the video to show you now. 
um, to hopefully help you to take in a little bit more, not just in terms of who I am and my family background and how the Lord has led us to this point, but a little more about the work that we intend to do and that has already been ongoing in Kenya. So we're going to show that now and then I'll come back up and, and make a few comments after that. <laughs> 